Welcome to episode one of Whiskey Throttle Radio presented by Whiskey Throttle Media. Make sure to check out our website, www.whiskeythrottlemedia.com, and to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. Uh, on today's show, we'll have Billy Scharf on to talk a little Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, do a little high point preview, and he'll talk to us about his experience down at the 24 hour challenge in Perry Mountain, Alabama. Enjoy. <music> Today is Central Florida Zone. Billy Sharf on to talk a little Lucas Oil Pro Motocross and some Perry Mountain 24 Hour. How you doing, Billy? Doing pretty good, man. Excited uh, to be on the show. Yeah, man. Thank you for helping me out with this. Hopefully, we can uh, do some big things and you can help me carry this thing along. Absolutely, man. I think it's really cool what you're doing and uh, just uh, looking forward to it. So let's uh, this jump right in let's talk some lucas oil pro motocross for three rounds in we've had hangtown glen helen and thunder valley and with the 450 class tomac has gone six for six was this a little bit of a surprise to you or do you expect him to do this uh, i think uh personally i mean i knew with you know the supercross title being kind of out of reach i figured they were a little ahead of the game with testing and i think they had a setup you know that that he was confident and it's not really a surprise to me um you know, he's he's figuring it out, and I think it's kind of scary. I, it, the surprise to me has been Ken Roxon, um, such little time on the bike coming in, and he's already, I think he's led, what, 20 minutes at Glen Helen, led some time both motos at Thunder Valley. So, yeah, not surprised so much with Tomac, a lot more with Roxon, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, I don't think anyone was doubting Tomac was was the fastest guy coming in. It was more so, can he eliminate the all the mistakes that we saw last year? Just the tip overs, taking forever to get up, you know, just a weird moto he he would have. I mean, we're still only three rounds in, but he's been flawless so far. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I think last year somehow he pulled the title out. I mean, there was some there were some rides where we all kind of scratched our heads. I think he's certainly figuring out how to be the guy that everybody's gunning for. I think he was a little bit better where he wasn't, uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote favorite. And now um, he's figuring it all out. It's kind of scary. But I expect Roxon. I think Muskin will be better as we head east to some of these more technical tracks. Yeah, and like we saw last year at High Point, um, Tomac had that mistake in the first moto. Uh, I think he ended up getting like 12th. 
I have the uh, scores right here. Yeah, he went 12-1. So, you know, you never know. He's just one mistake away. But I'm, I'm happy you touched on Roxon because I had that next on my notes. He's definitely been a big surprise for me because after watching him that first moto or the second moto at Glen, uh, Glen Hell or second moto at Hangtown when he dropped so far back to like 16th on that the last uh, about 15 minutes, I was kind of worried for him for the season. But he's really picked it up, and I honestly think he's going to be the guy that the one the first one to beat Tomac in a moto. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see as Roxon sort of figures it out. You know, he's working on his fitness and getting his racecraft back. It's going to be interesting. You know, he's got a pretty big lead, you know, Tomac does on Roxon to see if he, he, you know, battles him to the end. I think he will, and I think it's going to be awesome for us as fans. I don't think anybody predicted Roxon to be this good this early, so it's it's really bad news for the rest of the guys. Uh, we'll see how Tomac reacts. I, I think it's going to get really, really interesting because uh, – I've always had the theory that, that Roxon has sort of been in Tomac's head. So we'll see what happens. And what is he, 50 points down? Let's see the – Yeah, he's so, uh, I mean, 53. I think, yeah, 53 points. I mean, like you said, with Tomac known for these little kind of mental collapses, you know, that's not that many points, only uh, six motos in. So it's going to be exciting. I think guys like Baggett, Muskin, I think Barsha will be good at Redbud and Bud's Creek, as he always is. So – but Roxon for sure, man. It's it's unbelievable how that dude rides a motorcycle, and uh, I can't wait to watch it all play out. That's for sure. Yeah, it's something to be exciting. I know there's a lot of uh, 24 and O talk going on, but I don't I don't think there's any way that happens. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Muskin or Roxon, uh, or even Baggett, he won here last at High Point last year, beats him this weekend. So I mean, I, I I'm not a big fan of uh, when Carmichael and Stu used to just run away with it. It was kind of boring. So I I mean, I hopefully it's a good mix the whole whole year long yeah we're getting into these races where where you know barsha has a hot moto i think he was doing really well when the red flag happened at uh, thunder valley um you know it's going to be hard 24-0 i think way too early could it happen with eli you look at that ride at glen helen how he just dropped the hammer with just a couple minutes to go but i i definitely don't see it happening for sure these there's too many you you know the top six guys are, are really good after that it's not very deep but there's a lot of dudes that that you know, definitely uh, going to put up a fight for all that 24 and O talk. Yeah, and you, you touched on Barsha a little bit. I mean, I think Barsha might be the biggest one once he gets a moto win under his belt. His confidence is going to be through the roof. Like we saw that one year when he was um, going back and forth with Dungey. You know, he could win a moto at Muddy Creek and then go on a streak of winning a couple in a row or so. You know, he's he's such. Uh, I mean, they're all they're all confidence is so huge in motocross. So. I think that it influences Barsha a whole lot. So, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and, you know, I think Barsha's kind of getting his swag back. And, and, you know, he's such a good starter when he's confident. So, if mm -hmm. he can get out front and Roxon and Tomac get a bad start, which they've kind of been doing, I, I think uh, Barsha can get a gap. Of course, no gap is safe when Tomac's riding the way he is right now. But we'll see, you know. I think Muskin, man, you got to watch Muskin on these more Euro, like Muddy yeah. Creek and like uh, Washougal. I think Muskin, I, I've already got him penciled in for the win at Washougal. The guy rides that place. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, in the fields, I'm sure the field's uh, kind of happy that Tomac hasn't really, he, he seemed to figure out the great starts in Supercross um, on the metal great and was consistently getting good starts, but he hasn't gotten really any good ones yet in the outdoors. And I think that's like the one thing that all these other guys can kind of look at and say, hey, you know, he's, 
probably going to be 8 to 12 range. So if I can just get the whole shot and lay the hammer down for 20 minutes, you know, and build a big enough gap, I can probably win this thing. Yep, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Definitely for spectators, like I'm going to try to get to a few of them, and I'm hoping Tomac gets bad starts. But, uh, yeah, you know, then you got you to gotta look out for Baggett, man. I think he's figuring out, you know, he'll get his confidence going, and uh, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm really excited. Actually, I think it's a, it's good for the class, like you said. And, you know, Roxon, man, he's the one guy I think if he can get some wins and get in Tomac's head, then we might see these mental collapses and this thing might come down to the wire, hopefully. Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed with Baggett going in. Uh, I really thought because his Supercross season wasn't really going how he wanted to, so I know he was riding a lot more outdoors than everyone else. Um, and I, I was really hoping he would come out swinging these, the first two rounds. I mean, he kind of got together at Thunder Valley. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I get my bikes from Palmetto Motorsports, so obviously I'm a big Blake Baggett fan uh, just from the team he's on. So I was really hoping he would do good, but it, he, his ride at Thunder Valley uh, kind of reassured me he's going to be back back going strong. Yeah, he's one of those guys. I agree with you. I, I thought he would be better, um, especially at Thunder Valley, you know, with what he did last year, kind of posterizing Tomac. Um but yeah, he's been a little uh, he's been a little hot and cold. I think Baggett's one of those guys that you know, like most of them, man. If a switch kind of goes off and they get that that swagger and that confidence, and I'm I'm hoping too. I got high hopes for for him. He did, like you said, he won High Point last year. He was really good at at Muddy Creek. So we'll see, man. Hopefully these guys can you know, the first laps of these 450 motos. Obviously we lost a couple guys to injuries since then, but it's been really good as a fan to watch. So I'm. You know, you watch it with with people that aren't as obsessed with moto as us, and even even when just your average person watching sees these first couple nationals, it's been such carnage in the beginning. I think yeah. it's really good for the sport. Yeah. So, I and mean, we talked about our big five. We got Eli Tomac, Marvin Muskin, Barsha Baggett, and Roxon, and then there there's kind of a gap from six to nine, six to ten. Kind of hard to see who that next best guy is. I mean, Pike's currently sitting six in points now, but I mean, I know. Benny Bloss has been right there. He's had a couple uh, – he's had a, a – I know he had DNF one moto, and then he crashed again at Glen Helen. So it's kind of hard to see. He's ninth in points, but he's kind of been right there. So it, it's kind of hard to see who that next guy is that might try to get into that group. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, Weston Pike, you know, I, I guess he's been kind of banged up injuries. Nicoletti is a guy. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what he can do on the Husqvarna. Bloss is – you know, he's really turned a lot of heads. But if you get after that, yeah, I mean, all the injuries, kind of no man's land after yeah. that. You look at a guy, Dylan, Dylan Merriam's 10th in points. No, obviously, the guy's no slouch, but, you know, the 450 class, you get after, you get outside the top mm-hmm. 10, and it's a pretty big guy. I think these guys have been lapping into the top 10, yeah. which, you know, shows that, the, shows that the depth really isn't there in the 450 class, just so many injuries, which, um, you know, I think Pike, Bloss, those guys will sneak into the top ten. I, I'm calling Nicoletti for a, a top five overall. I really think that guy can do it. And then uh, you're going to throw Justin Hill in the mix. Can't forget about that. Yep, um, yep. He he rides the 450 so much better. Uh, I think I think he's going to be be up there in that pack with that next group of guys. Maybe throw a moto in that fourth or fifth spot. Yeah, he was. I'm not sure. Did you go to Tampa Supercross? I did not. Oh, that was his first ride in the 450, and dude, he was so fast. He was he looked faster than anybody there, and so it's really exciting to see what he can do on that 450. You know, it kind of like that that one Tampa ride kind of stamped it for him uh, coming in. But 
So I'm excited. Well, you remember a few. You remember a few years ago when he when he raced the Monster Cup for KTM yeah. and was like, I mean, I don't know what it is that suits his style about the the big bike, but I'm I don't you know if I was him I wouldn't even go back to that the 250F, but you know it is what it is. I I think for sure he's not really your outdoor guy, but I I not really that deep. You know, you get yeah. outside the top five, so I I call him fourth, fifth. Who knows? You know. Yeah, exactly, and you know. It, it does suck, the lack of depth and all the injuries that have gone on, but I, it's kind of cool at the same time because you see guys like Dylan Merriam, Cody Cooper. I mean, uh, Alex Ray just got the factory Yamaha ride, you know, and Brandon Schur. It's cool to see these guys kind of hop into that top 10, the 10 to 12 spot, and kind of make a name for themselves. Yeah, you know, one thing that I'm, I've always been kind of a junkie on is watching the lap times, um, you know, just in qualifying, just to see, you know, how far off of Eli Tomac or Ken Roxon you have to be to qualify for a national. And this year, there's a huge gap. I mean, obviously, Glen Helen was a really long track, but you're talking 20 to 25 yeah. seconds off the pace back to the 35th qualifying guy, which to me is probably the biggest gap we've seen just to qualify for a national. Yeah. So, there's any guy, and there's any guys out there, you know, that are trying to qualify. I think now's the time because you just, you get there's just not a lot of depth outside the top. It, it's it's really kind of crazy to watch the gap from Tomac back to 20th place, I and mean, he's lapping those guys pretty quickly in the moto. Mm-hmm. So it's, those are little things that you know I nerd out on just looking at lap times and always just just kind of having fun with that. So this year's definitely been kind of more eye-opening to see the lack of depth back outside the top 20 and you know no disrespect to any of those yeah. guys but it is what it is yeah any of those that guy who qualified 35th it shows up to your local track uh no one's touching them you know it's it's even crazier it, to think. exactly it's crazy how much time these dudes are able to make up um on guys that are that fast like you said yeah okay we're switch over to the 250s now um, obviously with osborne going out with the shoulder injury that was a huge blow to the series um, and for me personally, it's looking like Jeremy, it's his Jeremy Martin's title mm-hmm. lose. I know Plessinger's right there, but I actually, I, I think Martin closed this thing. I mean, obviously there's so many rounds left, but I think Martin, ha- I'm, I'm picking Martin for the win, the title. Yeah. I had him for the title, um, coming into it because I just thought I, I just leaving Supercross, It just seemed like he really got his swagger back. He kind of figured that Honda out. Um, I kind of said it to, to all the guys that, you know, we were kind of bench racing. I just thought Jay Mart just the way he was riding, just flicking that Honda around. I think he just kind of figured out. Obviously, Osborne, you know, without the injury, you can't bet against Mm -hmm. him. But Plessinger, I mean, the dude, I think, you know, he's matured a lot this year. But I just see him having, you know, a six, eight day, you know, and Martin's just going to keep charging and putting. You can't can't count out A-Mart either. What does he do? He's just like a couple points down. So, But, yeah, J-Mart for sure I think it's his title to lose. But it's way too early to tell. But I'm with you there. Yeah, like even even so at Thunder Valley, the first one we got 15 points. I think that's a sixth or a seventh. So Plessner is going to have these weirdo little motos where I think Jeremy Martin, he's a two-time champ. He's obviously going to um, be better, more consistent. And that's his Supercross season was very his probably best ever, and he was really good. And he's never really been that great at Supercross, so I think that even kind of gave him more confidence coming in. So I, I had him and Osborne going down to the wire. I mean, you can't really bet against Osborne, like you said. But now it definitely opens it up. Uh, I'd like to see Alex Martin win. Um, I just think his story is really cool. I mean, I watched him for many years uh, struggling as a privateer. So I think it's really cool to see him, what he's doing now. 
Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was just talking about this on the drive home uh, from the 24-hour with Alex Luger. You know, you see so many of these young dudes. He was talking about, um, I forget, Daniel, uh, I can't remember the kid's name, pro kid that just turned pro. And it's like a couple of these guys, they turn pro, they lose their ride, and then they just give up, Mm -hmm. you know. And you look at a guy like Amart, man, he just soldiered it out, sleeping in tents, privateer life in it and just was able to break through plateaus that most of these guys aren't able to break through kind of late in their career. So certainly a fan favorite, um, Amart. It's going to be fun to watch him and his brother. I think it's always fun to watch those two guys go at it, especially at, at, at Millville where, you know, it's right in their backyard, literally. So, but yeah, you're right, man. It's definitely probably one of the cooler stories. You know, you think most of these kids are 17 years old, lighting the world on fire. And, if, you know, if something goes wrong, a lot of them give it up and, yep. Amart or a guy like Weston Pike, man, they soldier the private tier life and, and figure it out. Yeah, I I personally think Alex Martin because he it's kind of weird he started turning it on right when Jeremy went pro. So I don't think he could just let his little brother beat him. And I have a little brother, and when he first got to A class, I I there's no way I was gonna let him beat me. So I I, I kind of get it. I think he I think he let put the hammer down a little bit there. Well, I, there was an article, you know, I don't know if you remember back in the day with that whole 1110 mods thing, mm-hmm. and it was right around the time, right around the time J-Mart turned pro, it was uh, J, uh, Alex Martin sort of admitted that he didn't really understood what it took until he watched his little brother. I mean, you know, they say J-Mart is a complete machine, you know, he goes out and does like 340, 345s, you know, doing like turn track motos every morning, I mean, really crazy stuff, and I think you're, you're right, I mean, it was probably a lot of a lot of not letting the little brother beat you, but I think the little brother kind of showed him, hey, you know, this is what it takes to get to that next tier, and it kind of springboarded him. And it's pretty crazy to see that he's a legit moto contender. It's it's no fluke, and yeah. it's almost like a, a whole different human on the bike. And it's cool to see him getting the support. And I'm with you, man. I'm I'm pu- I've always pulled for him. Yeah, I was at uh, High Point two years ago, and him and his brother were killing it, and Jeremy Martin broke blew up in the first moto. This was when they were both on star. Blew up in the first moto, and then Alex Martin blew up in the same exact spot the second moto. So I've, I felt so bad for them. But it's it's crazy to see them. It seems like they're always together. You know, they're always battling every single race. Yeah, it's an extra fire. Like you said, you don't want to – I got an older brother, and, uh, you know, we, we've had some good good smack talks, man. It makes it fun. Mm-hmm. And so we have those three, Martin, Plessinger, or Jeremy Martin, Plester, and Alex Martin, and then – was Zach Osborne out? I, I mean, it's hard to not say Justin Cooper is that next best guy. I mean, Savachi obviously, um, he hasn't really had the best motos. He was killing it at Thunder Valley before his bike broke, but Cooper's already got that moto win. Um, I, I see him starting to string off some some really good rides and getting on that podium quite uh, quite a bit more. Yeah, he's a guy, man. I, I kind of I wrote on somebody's Instagram. And then it was funny because he won a moto this last race. I just, the way he rides, it's kind of an effortless style. It doesn't look like he's using a lot of energy and he's a late bloomer. You know, you don't see a lot of these guys that are, went to college or, or what have you. I, I don't know. There's something about him, man. I just feel like this dude's going to figure it out with, with how effortless his style is. I just, I'm with you. I think he's going to figure it out and, Man, he's he's going to be dangerous. I mean, he could go either direction, but I see him figuring this thing out. He's on like a really good program. Will Hans kind of his 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 mentor. He gets to ride with Plessinger. He's definitely a wild card, man, because the dude get, get, gets good starts. I see him winning a lot of motos and a lot of overalls the rest of the year. I really do. Yeah, I mean, he 
I even I was remember listening to something. He was saying that he didn't. Even, he's from New York, so he, and he never even really went south in the winter. Just didn't ride, you know. And uh, I think it yeah. kind of kept him fresh through his whole amateur career. And it it really turned up last turned on last year when he got that star ride, um, and he won all those title or he won that title at Loretta's. And so I can see him being a threat for quite a while now. Yeah, we probably we could probably do a whole show on this topic one of these days. It's sort of one of my pet peeves with being such a motocross junkie. Is you know a lot of these kids, man, they're just burnt out. I, I've seen so many kids peak at 15, 16 years old because they're on full programs, and and you see a guy like Cooper that that's blooming late, getting the right program. He's still got a lot of fire, you know, in him, and uh, just what happens, man. I mean, not to say that these other kids that are mini cycle warriors, you know, a lot of them make it too, but I think a lot of them don't. I think they're just way too serious way too young and, and i really hate to see that but uh cooper man for sure this kid i, I got a i got a i got a good feeling about him yeah i mean i i i really thought that chase sexton was gonna be like the young rider to watch this summer he has I, he's his starts are not good he i haven't seen him get a start up front ever i don't think so i mean justin cooper's kind of stealing that shine from him so he's he was a guy i thought that would be doing a lot better him and um Shane McGrath, I know McGrath's never been that great outdoors. Um, he's had a couple podiums here and there, but with all the success he's had in Supercross, I really thought he'd start turning around in outdoors. I did too. I'm with you. I I, I don't I, I can't figure that one out. I really I don't. It makes no sense to me. The dude's so sick on a bike, perfect technique, and I I don't know. He's a couple good motos here and there, but he just I don't know. He, I don't think the fire's there outdoors. Yeah. I think, he's so, I think he's so good at Supercross, probably makes so much money. I, I just I hate to say that, but I just don't see the fire or the will outdoors. It's sort of like a Justin Hill thing almost. You know, it's kind of they put all their effort in Supercross because he knows he's a title threat in Supercross. And then he's so he's trying so hard, training Supercross during the season. He's all worried about winning races and that. He kind of just lets the outdoors fall by the wayside, it seems like. Yeah, I, again, I, I can't figure it out because I think that dude could shred the outdoors um, you know, but you know, that whole TLD team, you know, you watch the guys like Cole Seeley came through those ranks, mm -hmm. definitely more of a supercross driven program, yeah. which you can't really blame them, but man, it just doesn't, doesn't seem to click outdoors for them. And I, I don't know why that, you know, that's interesting that you say that about the TLD team. Cause I mean, other than Alex Martin, really, who they really haven't had a, They've had a lot of a ton of great results indoors, but their outdoor results really have never been there. I can't remember the last guy that's like really challenged other than Alex Martin, who only signed with them last year. Yeah, Amart, you know, he's an outdoor warrior. I think um, Jordan Smith had a couple good motos early last year mm -hmm. until maybe it was a year year before that actually. Yeah, I think he missed all last year. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, a guy like. McElrath, I was actually just thinking this the other day. It's like, man, dude's so textbook on a bike. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just lack of testing or you know, who knows. But hopefully he figures it out. He'll probably be really good at Muddy Creek because I know that's where he's yeah. from. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm with you on Chase Sexton. That guy seems to have all the pieces too. Just can't get off the gate. And you got to get a start with these guys. It's so stacked. I mean, I think there's 12 guys. I mean, the top 12 is, is really close. And, so intense in the 250 class where are you at with austin forkner man I, I love the kid i went to daytona supercross it was the first time i got to see him ride in person i believe and uh scared the scared the hell out of me i mean he i think he's overriding the bike personally um 
you know, I, I just don't, I don't, so much talent, but just, you don't have to ride the bike, you know, that way. I think these guys have proven it. You know, you look at Plessinger or even Justin Cooper is kind of my favorite 250 guy as far as just being smooth. Austin Forker to me is overriding the bike and that's why you're seeing a lot of injuries and a lot of, um, you know, inconsistency. I mean, I, and everything's there for the taking, but I don't know. I feel like he's at a really crucial point in his career right now, kind of a make or break. You hate to say that about a kid that's already won races and is so talented, but I'll probably be wrong. I mean, the guy figured out, somebody will smooth him out. I think he's been working with Raynard or, you know, back and forth yeah. to Carmichael. Maybe he needs to switch, switch his program up or something, just kind of freshen things up. But I definitely feel like he's overriding when he smooths it out, you know, which I thought he would do by now, and he hasn't. Um, it scares he scares the crap yeah. out of me to, to watch him ride. To be honest, yeah, I'm still you know I'm still scratching my head about that Hangtown Moto Two pulling off uh, with an apparent rib injury, and then he posts a video at Pala hitting some enormous jump two days later. So I, I don't know what the whole deal with that is. And then at Glen Helen, that his first motor there wasn't good either. And then he goes out and gets third in the second motor at Thunder Valley. So it's it's hard to tell. Like kind of does he like really like is he more, like we said earlier more focused on supercross and kind of has the outdoors just if it's good it's good if it's not it's it's whatever kind of attitude i'm not sure it's but like you said he does seem to override the bike and when he does like not start up front i know a couple times supercross if he'd tip over he'd probably fall over a couple more times because he's just tries he overrides the bike and needs to i guess settle down a little bit yeah, I, I'm with you. And I think going to, to what you're saying about, uh, I think early on, I think maybe his expectations are a little high. I think what happens is he, I think he wants to, to be out front winning by 20 seconds to be the prodigy that he's supposed to be. And I think it just kind of mentally drains it. I think that's why you see these, you know, these little pulling off and, and quitting or whatever. And I, I read that there was some, uh, some serious heat coming from Mitch Payton, um, so maybe that pressure's kind of mounting up. Who knows? Because him and Savachi, yeah. you know, you look at the you look at the top ten. I mean, what do you got? Forkner in eight. That's yeah. their best. I mean, Mitch Payton probably doesn't even want to be pulling into these races where he doesn't have you know a guy battling for the title. So I think that pressure, you know, who knows? I think I don't know if he's under contract or not, but I, somebody will pick him up if if Mitch doesn't keep oh, yeah. him around. But he's, he's too talented. But man, I hope he smooths it out and stays healthy and uh man who knows yeah i i believe he signed he signed for next year for pc but that, i think that might be his last year on the contract but yeah like you said he's eighth you got the rookie garrett marchbanks in ninth he's probably been the only highlight for pro circuit this year then savachi um in 11th and he really hasn't done too much either uh i don't know if you feel this way too but it seems like ever since um when savachi lost the title the supercross title two years ago or last year in the last turn, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I mean, he's still killing it. I mean, he's still doing great, obviously, for anybody, but not for Savachi, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of his. I think his riding is impressive. He makes it look really easy. But, I, yeah, I mean, he's kind of in that, that no-man's land of his career. He's had title shots, and now he's at, obviously out of this title. So I think they kind of lose that morale mm -hmm. and – um you know, and it's like, do you see Sabachi getting a 450 ride that's worthy? So they kind of re-sign with these 250 teams because they can make a nice paycheck, podium, some supercrosses. So really kind of a critical point in his career, too. It's, it's a shame. And the guys, you know, like I said, and Osborne basically 
still, I still scratch my head when I go back and watch that over, like yeah. how, how on earth was he just like putting around like that and letting them, you know, Osborne catch him. But it is what it is. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think he will win some motos by the end of the year though. Mm-hmm. I think he'll figure it out and just throw it up there a moto or two. Well, like you said now, I mean, he's 61, 61 points down. So it's kind of out, out of the picture now. So maybe the pressure will come off and he can just, he, cause it, he does have to go to 450s next year, so I'm sure he needs to put in some good rides here for someone to pick him up, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's the question. You know, what does he do? I mean, the 450 rides are few and far between. I don't. Does he have to move up, as yeah. you pointed out? I think yeah. he is, right? He yeah, so, out, he's, so where does he end up? I mean, that that's the, the question. And it's crazy that a guy that's that good, mm-hmm. that's just the, the harsh reality of our sport, unfortunately. Yeah, I think they're saying Josh Grant might retire. So I think that spot at Kawasaki looks to be his. But, I mean, if he doesn't put any any more good rides in, like if he just kind of hangs out 7 to 10 spot, who knows? You know, they might give it to someone else. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty awesome spot, you know, if Josh Grant, you know. So they're going to be looking to fill that. I'm sure that's going to be some serious hitters going for that one. be very interesting to see, especially Cowie coming out with a new bike that looks pretty good. So. I don't know. I don't see Savachi getting that spot, but it's interesting that you say that. Yeah, I mean that's just what I've been hearing. But then you guys, you got guys like Dino, who's going to be looking for a ride. Um, Justin Bogle, uh, guys, Weston Pike's contracts up, you know. So, who knows, really? That's a, that's going to be fun shows when silly season's in full effect. I, I don't I don't know what it is about that. I love I love talking about stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's kind of cool to try to predict where everyone ends up and see who ends up where and what what gear they sign with. I love it too. So we'll, we'll definitely have to get a show going on about that once that once that gets close. Oh yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> you missed R.J. Hampshire though, and I'm like an R.J. Hampshire fanboy. So <laughs> like- R.J., I'm team. Go ahead. I'm team RJ all day, dude. After what he did at the GP that day, like showing up and just laying wood to the Euros, like I'll forever. He drives me nuts because I feel like the dude should be winning because he's so talented, but I know he's coming off an injury. But I expect RJ to figure it, especially when it gets to like East Coast dirt, you know, a little yeah. more sandy terrain, Redbud, Southwick, Millville. I think uh, RJ's going to gonna get up there and mix it up with those guys. Yeah, I watched him out at Dade City five or five, six or seven years ago now um, as an amateur. So it was, it was definitely cool to see him to get that Geico ride. And last year, he was towards the end of the uh, outdoors last year. He was really killing it. And then, like you said, that GP was unreal. Um, unfortunately, he did get hurt in Supercross. So I think he's trying to – he's just getting back to riding now. And so I think these fir- those first three, the West Coast rounds, were kind of like just to kind of get back into that that uh, daily routine of training every day and riding every day. So like you said, once it goes back East, I, I see him doing a lot better. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I, I love watching that dude ride a big fan. I've watched him. It's funny. My, I think he was on like fifties, the first ever motocross I ever rode in my life. I went to Dade city MX and he was like right next to me on his 50. So I've always been an RJ Hampshire fan. So it's pretty cool. All right. Well, so this weekend coming up is High Point in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. It's the first uh, East Coast round. That's kind of the kind of really getting into the heart of the series now. Uh, it's I don't know if you've ever been there, but I I rode it two years ago, and it it is an animal of a track. You don't re- like the TV does not do it justice. It's steep. It's hard pack. It's got huge ruts everywhere. It's gnarly. 
Yeah, I rode Muddy Creek, and I, I, I cannot agree more with how TV doesn't know justice. I haven't been to High Point. But, yeah, I'm with you, dude. These tracks are gnarly, and uh, it's going to be super cool to see how it all plays out. I expect Ken Roxon to just figure it out, win a moto, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Can't wait. That's yeah, for sure. De- definitely. Um, so I know that Muskin is good here. Obviously, last year he, was, he had a little bit of dealing with that knee injury, so he, we didn't really get to see it. But it is more of a Euro-style track with the ruts and stuff. And he, that his technique seems to kind of suit it. So I actually have him getting the overall here. Um, I see him winning a moto and probably maybe Roxon mixing it up as well. I, I definitely have him winning and maybe Tomac or Roxon switching plays for two and three. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with Muskin. I think he's been too off the pace. I'm with you. I think he is going to be really good at the, the high point, which is probably one of our more Euro-style tracks. But – I'm going Ken Roxon to win a moto, and uh, I don't know about the overall. I'll, I'll probably stick with Tomac for the overall, but I think Roxon wins a moto. I think Muskin's a little better. I think Baggett's going to be good, but I'll probably go Tomac, Roxon, Muskin, Baggett, Barsha, my top five. Okay. Boom. So last year, the the overall podium, podium here was Baggett, Anderson, and Tickle. So we're missing two out of those three guys, so it kind of opens it up. Uh, Tomac did win the second moto here. So it it does kind of mix it up. Uh, obviously, Baggett's going to be good, I think, from here on out. So it'll be interesting. I think the racing is going to get a lot more closer um, once we start heading east because Tomac seems to be the guy in the tracks where he can just kind of let it all hang out. He, he really excels, and with these ruts on the east coast, it, it kind of limits that, I, I I think, personally. But so. Yeah, you, you're on to something there. I think uh... – Man, it's funny you say Tickle and Anderson, like just looking down the list of how many people are missing in the 450 class. It's sort of depressing, you know. It sucks what happened to Wilson and Anderson. Tickle, that's probably a whole nother conversation. Um, you know, but man, it's 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 crazy. At least the top five is super stacked. Yeah. And I think any yeah. of those five guys I think any of those five guys can win a moto, certainly. Um, and I'm interested to see what Nicoletti does on the Husky and Justin Hill on, on uh, Nicoletti's old bike. So I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, so the top 10 last year at Hangtown or at High Point it was Baggett, Anderson, Tickle, Tomac, Webb, Grant, Dean Ferris, Dean Wilson, Bogle, and Seeley. And so only three of those guys are racing this year, just to put it in perspective, like how many people are actually missing. It's insane, isn't it? Like – crazy the attrition the attrition in our sport man but uh i you know it's so it's crazy because i feel like the racing in that top five has been the best Mm -hmm. we've ever seen as far as intensity but after that you know you look at the moto and tomac's lap in 12th place at like the 10 minute mark it's like what on earth you know yeah i luckily like the first five guys are all still healthy you know and not so much we're missing the yeah, I, I think it's six to ten spots more than anything. It's going to be good, dude. I'm telling you. Tomac, when when Roxon beats him in a moto, I think we're going to see Eli Tomac just I'm, – I'm hoping I'm wrong, actually, but I just think for some reason Ken Roxon is in Eli's head, and if he can come back and beat him and actually beat him, you know, hold him all. I'm not saying, like, you know, Tomac crashes or, and Roxon wins a moto. I think we're going to see Muskin will get hot, Barsha will get hot at Redbud and, and Bud's Creek, and, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Who are your picks for this weekend in the 250 class? Oh man, 
I, I feel like Amart's due for a win, right? When's the last time he's won an overall? I, I think Amart's going to be up yeah. there. I don't know. You know, th- that class to me is so up and down. It's so unpredictable. You know, J-Mart's going to charge all the way through the moto. I don't, I think Savachi wins a moto. I think Justin Cooper's going to win some motos this weekend. Man, I, I, it's really just too hard for me to even make a pick. You know, I, I, what about you? Uh, I think I think I'm with you. I think Amart gets a moto win this week. Um, it's East Coast. He seems to be better on the East Coast tracks, and I think he's getting tired of Jeremy Martin passing him every moto. So I think, <laughs> I think him. It's it's him, Jeremy Martin, and then I think Plessinger is right there for if not winning a moto or just battling up up in the top three because he's really good. He's from Ohio, so I'm sure he's ridden high point quite a bit before. And you got to remember with, with Osborne out, you know, one of these guys can kind of take the reins. When does J-Mart stamp, you know, that he's for real? Does Plessinger show he's not going to have these bad motos? I think this weekend's crucial for the title. I think those two guys are the title favorites. But, man, one of these other dudes could smell blood in the water and throw down, you yeah. know? And I think I think uh, Ferrandis is back this weekend as well. It's just – I just realized. Dude, that's the guy, man. That guy is gnarly. Like, I wish he wouldn't have got hurt. That guy's going to win a lot of motos if he's healthy, but he seems to get hurt a lot. So we'll see there. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier, though, Euro-style track, so maybe that'll play into his favor as well. When that guy figures it out, when he figures it out, I think he's he's going to be hard to match. Yeah, definitely. All right, switching it up here. This past weekend, you raced the 24-hour Perry Mountain Challenge. Uh, sixth overall, correct? Uh, yeah. As much as I hate to say that, yeah, it was it was actually still pretty pretty good, cool accomplishment. But yeah, sixth overall. What? So why don't you take us through what happened and uh, tell us how your experience was? Man, I you know I had really always wanted to do it. Um, always wanted to get involved in a race, and then Jacob Gilliam came over at the last hair scramble and kind of threw it together last minute, and I just said, sure, I'm in, and. Uh, Really had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And uh, Alex Luger came over Friday night. We got a really late start. It was kind of my bad and just kind of underestimated what we were getting ourselves into. We got up there like three in the morning and I listened to his interview already and he went pretty in depth, but it was, man, anybody that rides dirt bikes, if you just love riding dirt bikes or love doing endurance training and pushing yourself, like you got to do this event, like the whole atmosphere doesn't matter your skill level or what your goals are like it is so much fun like really want to do more stuff like that i think uh anybody gets up there it's awesome track different terrain for us florida guys something i'm really you know kind of new to is riding the rocky stuff so it was so much fun and we really kind of over exceeded expectations going into halfway mark we were like second overall everything was clicking and then the night fell and one thing after another and uh bike problems started to happen and and uh we all kind of really rallied together i was really proud of of how everybody just dug deep um from from cash to alex and and uh, we had casey moore and jacob gilliam everybody sort of exceeded my expectations man and just so much fun you know even as mentally taxing as it was like now that you know, after Monday, able to get get some sleep and get my brain back together. I, you know, I can't wait to get back up there next year and sort of redeem ourselves. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll get the call next year, be on the team, so whatever. Yeah, man, I want to get I want to get more FTR people. I'm telling you, all the FTR people that are listening to the show, and I'm sure there's a lot of you. Like, you guys have to do this event. Like, it takes a whole different level of 
a riding technique because it's something probably the closest thing we have to it is gator back but you can't really compare that because it's just a different flow and then the night riding aspect and then the fact that you know you're you're literally riding for 24 hours basically three or four hair scrambles in 24 hours for each of us mm-hmm. um and we were short a man we, were, we only had five guys which was a mistake um we underestimated that and then we had a guy jacob um about the midnight mark he had uh, he just wasn't feeling well and uh, he wasn't able to kind of make it through the, the night and uh, that sort of luckily cash and alex and kate i mean this dude's just no questions asked just stepped up to the plate and just shredding man it was so much fun yeah, I'm I smiling think... right now. Just, just I'm smiling just <laughs> thinking about so many of the so many of the moments we had. Like you, you take them for granted when they were going on, and yeah. you wanted to get frustrated. Like, like when my master link came off, we were still had a pretty sizable gap. On we were in second overall. We were like ten minutes ahead of third overall. It was crazy how good the first half went. And as mad as I got when that master link came off, such a freak deal. And I was out in the middle of nowhere on like a muddy hill, so there was really nothing I could do but wait for them to come get you. And the riders meeting, they say, hey stay with your bike we'll come get you it took them like 40 minutes to get me out of the woods which i was not happy about obviously and even now looking back like just the way that we all reacted to that and mm-hmm. and just fought through it and ended up fighting back to almost got fifth overall there at the end it was it was super cool i think with that then it used to be just one bike per team i mean they still have that class now um but the the kind of everyone rides their own bike is i think that's kind of a newer thing I think that's going to be able to get a lot more people in because no one wants to trash their bike for 24 hours, you know? So I think it'll get a lot more people in um, just to go up there and and ride it. Like, how, how long did you ride personally? Um, I, I don't know exactly. I think I did, like, 13 or 14 laps. Uh, we were trying to do three-lap motos, which, you know, my fastest lap was, like, a 22-minute flat, which was decent speed. I think the best overall lap was, like, 20 and a half. There was some Australian pros there. So decent speed, 22 minutes, trying to do three laps. Um, I think I did three three-lap sessions, one two-lap, and then I had the one with my bike issues. So, yeah, it's a lot of riding, man, and it's it varies so different because in the middle of the day it was so hot and the track just chalked up and was so square-edged and gnarly. And then at night, you know, you throw the night element in there, it's obviously cool, and the moisture was coming up through the dirt, so the dirt got really good, but you can't see anything. And we – really kind of dropped the ball with our lighting situation. So we're going to be much more prepared next year for that. But you really get all the different elements. I'd say I rode probably 13 or 14 laps, something crazy like that. So it was a lot of riding. Awesome, man. All right, Billy, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for um, helping me out with this. And uh, I'm excited to do more with you. Yeah, man, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to it. All right, have a good night. All right, you too, buddy. Straight caught up in the game My life won't be the same Straight caught up in the game My life won't be the same
living the life, that's how I live Try to get out, tell me how to survive without my crew Armani's, Ferraris, casinos, hitting jackpots Good luck, I think not, we own the car from block to block City to city, all day, every day It's like a celebration for the criminal nation Hey, mate, wife and kids, that's what I need Wanna go out like a man, try to understand without blood on my hands Dear God, please save my soul, I put the rest on hold Not seven, I still got time to reach heaven A million reasons to get out, choose one, there's only one To put the 9mm to your dome, then you're gone Did I do right or wrong, tell me I might drop some tears from my eye, but you never see me cry Champagne, spit rhymes like crazy insane LA to stock town, different players caught up in the same game Am I right or am I wrong? Stay caught up in the game I'm confused, will I win, will I win?